Hey everybody, welcome to the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. I'm John Burke, and with me from across the pond is the Kingsman to my statesman, Matt Hudson from whatiwatchtonight.co.uk. Matt, how's it going, sir? Going good, my friend John, as ever. It's another week, another list of films to get through, but who else would I rather do it with than JB? No one. So I'm doing very well. How are you? I'm doing quite well. I'm on my first week of summer vacation, yes. Um, so, yes. so I've been uh, kind of taking it easy. I watched mm-hmm. a few movies yesterday. Uh, today, I, I played a little bit of video games and took my daughter to lunch because she's also on summer vacation. Nice. Um, and uh, a very late lunch we had today, but nevertheless. Um, but yeah, I, I'm trying to uh, ease in to the school year. I actually did work a little yesterday, but uh, I'm, I'm getting some of my college class stuff ready for next semester. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to enjoy my break and, uh, actually break the summer, um, which it actually leads a really good point into what this episode is going to be a little different. We are here to talk about our movie of the week that we, if you, uh, are listening every week, you know what movie that is, but we're also going to be, uh, previewing a film festival that Matt and I are going to be covering over the next couple of weeks, um, that we'll get into about halfway, but I'm, it's going to be a, not a longer episode, but we're going to really dive into a bunch of movies that you will have access to. If you want to participate at the Tribeca online festival, that's the, I totally just name dropped the festival. <laughs> on um, but uh, otherwise you, you will have to wait for a while. That's uh, part of film festivals. Um, are that a lot of times the movies are trying to get distribution. And usually my experience with this particular festival is it's about a year later before the movies are available to the public outside of the festival. Um, So this is a really important episode. If you're interested in partaking in an online film festival this year, uh, because we're going to be talking about the movies we're excited about the movies that we're going to be watching, uh, not all of them, because there's a lot of movies and we're going to be watching quite a few over the next couple of weeks, but our next two episodes are going to be dedicated to this uh, film festival. We're going to be covering films from that festival, talking about Mm them, um, as well as both of our websites. You're going to be able to read our reviews of the movies that we watch. Um, So BurkeReviews.com, WhatIWatchTonight.co.uk are going to be your hub for uh, Matt and I uh, Tribeca coverage. Um, And again, we'll get into that more specifically in just a moment. Um, But I think we should dive into our movie of the week. What do you think, Matt? I think so. Just don't mention the film festival yet, though. We want to keep everyone in suspense, if you wouldn't mind. Yes, um, I, yeah. I'm really yeah. good at the setup. Uh, so, now I we're think we'll spend more time on the festival than the film. To be fair, yes, I, I agree. Uh, in fact, what film? Um, so, we're here to talk about The Conjuring. The Devil Made Me Do It. Uh, recently released on both HBO Max and theatrical release. Um, yep. I went to the theater to see this one. Um, it's directed by Michael Chavez. Uh, written by uh, David Leslie and Johnson McGoldrick. I feel like that's not the right names. Um, IMDb uh, and I were fighting this morning, and I think I copied something incorrectly. I will double-check that. But yeah. James Wan gets the story credit, of course, because he started uh, the Conjuring film franchise um, way back when with The Conjuring. Um, well, I'm trying to get to The Conjuring's other page, but nevertheless, I'll continue. Uh, it stars Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga reprising their roles as the Warrens, Rory O'Connor, and yes, Matt, I had to look that name up. I had no idea how to say that one. Uh, <laughs> well never done. would have guessed Rory. Uh, I'm but, sitting there with and tenderhooks waiting for you to Ruairi, but no, you got it. Yep, it definitely doesn't look like Rory to me. But Sarah Catherine Hook, Julian Hilliard, John Noble, Eugene Eugenie Bondurant, and Shannon Cook. 
are uh, some of the other actors that are in this movie. Um, the synopsis, very simple. The Warrens investigate a murder that may be linked to a demonic possession. It would be weird if it was just a murder. <laughs> da, um, da, da. Uh, 59% RT, 53 Metascore. Mm-hmm. So about, you know, mid- middling movie and a 6.5 only IMDb user score, which I think speaks volumes. Um, b- by comparison, if the critics and the users are, are sitting around the same Mm-hmm. Uh, area it's usually a sign of a consensus uh, more so than uh, we get with a lot of movies especially a lot of horror films um, critics can be pretty harsh on horror films and yeah. I have found in the past uh, that critics critically acclaimed horror doesn't always mesh with the public and vice versa public loved horror films are often critically panned with exceptions of the greats right like there are the ones that everybody loves but um, this is a uh, Oh, I'm sorry. It was one name. David Leslie Johnson McGoldrick is one person. There is no oh, Anne there. Greedy um, so-and-so. Yeah, so lots of names there. They got all the names. Uh, all the names. So, um, that said, I love The Conjuring. I, I really think that movie is so well made. I found it very compelling, the whole story of The Warrens. I was not familiar with The Warrens before I saw The Conjuring. Um, somehow I never really heard about them or paid attention to them if they were in my, my presence in some capacity. So I, I found it really interesting and I thought it was cool, uh, to bring attention to these, uh, people. Now I didn't do a lot of research after seeing the conjuring. Um, but I, I love, I, it, it's important to note. I am a cynic when it comes to ghosts. Uh, I want to believe in hauntings and stuff, not because I want to experience them because I think it's an interesting concept. I myself have never experienced anything I would consider to be supernatural um, or even supernatural. And uh, <laughs> I, I generally would say I'm very skeptical of anyone saying they saw a ghost or any ghost things. And that's not to, to just like, if you are one of those people who have experienced or believe something, I'm not trying to say you're a liar or anything like that. I just personally have never witnessed it. And so I usually take this type of thing with a grain of salt. Um, I, I thought The Conjuring 2 was a much lesser film, and I think The Conjuring verse as a collective has not been great. Um, I haven't seen all of the movies, but I've seen mm-hmm. enough to think it's it's not great. Um, okay. I think this film is is bad in a lot of reasons, but I think the biggest is I don't feel like it's a horror film. Um, I think they went real hard on it being an action movie, and the Warrens are positioned as these like heroes who are fighting a, a antagonist as opposed to paranormal investigators trying to understand these supernatural forces at work. Um, mm-hmm. And I, this one is in particularly problematic because of the precedent it attempts to set in the court system um, that a person who is, has killed someone can claim the devil made them do it. That is a slippery slope at, at best. And I think yeah. one of the things that really bugged me about the decisions of this movie um, and we talked uh, while I was watching it, I couldn't help but text Matt some things because I was just like actively <laughs> frustrated with certain elements. But, um, and we, uh, listeners, if you're new to the show, we don't spoil here. Uh, we have yeah. a special mini episode where we do talk spoilers, but that's um, released separate. So no concerns here. I'm not going to spoil this film, but this movie, uh, there are going to be demonic related or ghost stuff in this film. So that's what I'm going to loosely refer to those. I won't give any explicit details to the scenes, but the way they showcase the moments of horror and demonic possession in this film feel too fantastic to also then claim this is based on a true story. Mm -hmm. Um, 
Yep. Because Chavez, as I one of the, I was starting to say, I pointed out some very clear homages that Chavez makes to other horror films of history. Something a lot of filmmakers do. I mean, you could cite Tarantino, you could cite Edgar Wright. Um, paying reference to the movies that they grew up on is very commonplace in art. And again, mm-hmm. the the movie brats from the seventies did that with the movies from the forties and fifties. Like it is yeah. the nature of art. We always mimic and then build upon. Uh, the, sometimes it feels like homage. Like I think when Tarantino does it or when Edgar Wright does it, it feels like an artist using someone else's palette to help express their own thoughts. Other times it feels like an artist ripping people off. I'm looking at you. Uh, Todd Phillips and the Joker. So <laughs> there, I don't, I can't quite put my finger on how to articulate the difference of when it's, it's homage and when it's a ripoff, when it's clearly an artist paying tribute to something that inspired them and then giving their own voice to it versus just borrowing from a better, better story, a better film and not really understanding what you're doing. And I don't know where Chavez falls, but he, he clearly references two iconic horror films i won't say which so i don't spoil anything but um i think in the in the attempt to do that he also embeds that aesthetic into this film at times that i i don't i need to rewatch the conjuring to be fair to like really make this a strong argument because i don't know if i'm right in what how juan presents it but i feel like the horror in the first movie feels more in line with a true story by comparison to this like there's a scene here where it's so over the top that if anybody had witnessed it the entire world wouldn't have known <laughs> yeah. about it right <laughs> yes um, yes yes and so it, it negates the concept of a true story which is fine if you don't claim it to be a true story but then in the other movies there is no legal precedent either it's this is a true story these 10 people witness now this is a court ordered case the federal prison system is involved. There are other witnesses that in normal situations would not have been present. So it, it requires that the film feel more grounded and it doesn't, it goes way big at times. So Hollywood, so spectacular. I mean, I I'd love to see the budget on the smoke machines alone for this movie because it gets <laughs> super foggy. Um, and it's not to say it doesn't look good. It just feels like it's in conflict with its own storytelling. Um, and then again, you add in the eighties action element that I feel like they've really pushed. I think the conjuring two starts it. I feel like, I feel like the Warrens were more observers in the first movie. I could be mm-hmm. wrong again. It's been a while since I've seen it, but conjuring two, I feel like they start to have this kind of like us against the demon kind of thing, especially mm-hmm. when they start introducing the nun in conjuring two. Yeah. Um, and this <laughs> one feels full on. It's like, it's, it's, you know, uh, it's, John McClane versus, um, oh man, I had Hans this Gruber. Day. Hans Gruber. Like it's, it's such a me versus you protagonist antagonist vibe. And, um, I, it didn't, it didn't fully mesh with me, uh, as a result. I, I like, I don't want the Warrens to be super powered. I want the Warrens to be people who have an understanding and can help communicate this idea without it being like a blatant action wannabe. Cause it's not, it's, it never felt truly scary to me like i never felt uh the tension or the atmosphere click in that made it feel like a horror film um that's not to say the scenes aren't well stylized or or thought out it's just i felt like well i I, in an 80s action film i always assume the good guy's gonna win and that's Mm -hmm. what this felt like um and there's some thematic things that i feel really get like forced in towards the end of the film that 
also didn't feel earned. It felt like you're just like, nope, nope, we're just going to throw this in. And uh, overall, I thought it was it was okay. Um, I found it a little more boring than not. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Julian Hilliard, I just watched all of, and I'll talk about this in a little bit, but I just watched all of Haunting of Hill House, and he is one of the kid actors in that. Um, and so I already kind of wasn't sold on him, and I really didn't think he did a terrific job in this movie, not to fault him. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I definitely think this is a clear lesser of the three conjuring films. It's better than the nun. Um, <laughs> and I only made it through like half of La Lor- the curse of La Lorana, uh, on Ooh. the, on the plane. And it's, it feels better than that, but mm-hmm. still doesn't like, if you were to compare this straight up to the conjuring, it is night and day different movies and it doesn't feel nearly as compelling as the first conjuring film. So I was lukewarm, maybe a little less than the critic score, uh, overall. Um, what about you, Matt? What did you think of the conjuring devil made me do it? Um, well, like you say, it's set on a true story, you know, loosely based and the title of the film is directly linked to the case files, but it's still an awful title. I've said that every time I spoke about this film, I'll still say the devil made, Oh, at the moment that trade, the title dropped. This is one of the worst titles I've heard in years. And it still is. As for the film, um, as for the Conjuring verse, yeah, I'm with you. I think The Conjuring, 2013's The Conjuring, is great. I think it's one of the better uh, contemporary horrors of, of that decade because mm-hmm. it was stripped back. It it worked with the, the tools that it had, low budget, um, atmosphere. Yes, it obviously got bigger as it went on, but the film... But it, it played to all of its strengths. And I think it is genuinely creepy, that film is. Really yes. is quite creepy. The second one I didn't like. Two and a two hours, 20 minutes for that horror film. In the introduction of the CG characters, which suddenly changed the rules of the game, which is what has happened ever since The Conjuring, ever since that first film. None of the films have been able to ab- establish the in-universe rules, which is very jarring to me. Like, they, like you said, they're trying to keep it grounded and real, but then you'll see something like the crooked man, which, okay, that's now the rules are out. The nun, they can't establish the rules of that universe in in that film. Everything's just, and this film does it as well. I can't say how and when yet, but that's, that's the problem. And in terms of the conjuring verse, yeah, love the first one. Second one, not a fan of the Annabelle films. I like the second one, Annabelle creation, Annabelle and come home. Don't like the nun curse of Ayuronia. Awful, awful, modern, or just awful horror films, new, new, old, whatever. So I don't know how many films that is. That's six, eight, maybe. Anyway, one of them's really any good. This one, I think, is solid, as you say. I didn't actually mind this one, uh, and I shouldn't sound so surprised. I thought it was all right. I thought there were some decent um, horror moments in it, like tension moments of tension. But there's also Chavez, who directed The Curse of La Llorona, also uses the you know, let's look over there. Nothing there. Turn around. Ah, there's something there. That trope too much. Um, and you can see it coming from a mile off and yeah, it works in the cinema, but it's not great on rewatches. Um, so I thought there were some good set pieces. I thought the opening in was really good at like the open half an hour was actually really solid. Anything that surrounded the character of Arnie. I actually preferred that to the, to what anything the Warrens did that felt a lot more mm. real. That was, you know, what, what I was there to see 
what was happening to this guy. Uh, Vera Farmiga, Patrick Wilson, again, I think they, again, their chemistry is wonderful. And it is, I generally believe them as an on-screen husband and wife who have been through things together. I believe it. Now, like you said, thematically, there are some things surrounding them, which I thought were utter crap as well in this film. And it made me roll my eyes hard. But... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I feel I think it was f- finally got it, yeah it gets a bit bombastic and loud as it goes on, um, but I liked John Noble in this film. I have to say that I think John Noble, uh, Denethor for our mm. Middle Earth friends, I did think he was like genuinely creepy. I think he was the creepiest part of the film. Even just just him as a not not John Noble his characters. John Noble's a thespian, and so his deliverance of words and his just the way he looks and the way he could portray stuff with his face i thought he was really really quite good in this film john noble and i was surprised to see him i didn't know who's in this film um it yeah it looks good it's the sound design is good I, I too saw this in theaters um over here in jolly old england so i'm just you know, but the what, what the war they do with the warrens is at one part worrying but we'll mention that maybe in the spoiler part and also like you say they're they're not anymore they're not just experts in their field or you know people who can come along to aid something they are the investigation now they're leading investigations into murder and they, they've they almost become op in their own universe which i don't like because mm-hmm. that's yeah again especially when you're dealing with real life people and again i'll speak about that in the spoiler review but i think they the focus they focus too much on the warrens yes this is their case files However, everything outside of what they were doing was much more interesting. I think what there were scenes. There was there was a scene that involves a morgue, which I think was good. Which involves them, and I think was really good. You know, really again, well shot, well set, good tension. Um, but then something else happens immediately after, and I think, ah, oh, it's just what's going on here. So, I would, I I, I would give this you know more towards the IMDb score. I'd give it a six if I was going to be pushed to rate it now. Because I do think it was above average, not by much, but in terms of the Conjuring verse, as it's been called, it's one of the better ones in the Conjuring verse. And again, that isn't saying an awful lot, but no, I, I thought it was a solid, if unspectacular, and probably be quite a forgettable horror film. Yeah, um, I, I I agree with that. It's I I've actually been kind of on a horror kick um, recently too. Uh, I don't. I don't know why exactly because I, I, frequently I'm not a big fan of horror, but I've actually mm-hmm. just really wanted to watch horror lately. Um, and Martin Scorsese, by coincidence, released a, his top eleven. I don't know why he did eleven, but he did eleven. <laughs> to, to, I guess to mess with people with OCD. Um, but he he did his top eleven horror films, and I've been kind of working my way through them. Um, I will share. I have a. I made a list on Letterbox. Um, Thank you. I will, I'll post that in the show notes, even. Um, and. I, I, by coincidence, we just watched, or I just watched The Haunting from 63, uh, mm-hmm. which is on his list. Of course. So, so I was excited. I was like, oh, I've seen that one. Uh, there's this movie I've never heard of. It's called The Exorcist. The sounds, sounds awful. Exorciser? I don't, it's, I don't know, man. It's got some, uh, like, street lamp. I don't know. I've never heard of sounds it. Sounds lame. Uh, uh, it's, it's Kubrick's The Shining, of course, Psycho. Um, the, uh, I just watched, and I'll talk about a couple of these in a minute, but there's a few other movies on the list. I'm going to kind of work my way through uh, three of them. You can't watch without either getting the Criterion channel or buying the Criterion Blu-ray. Oh no. Mm-hmm. What a shame. Cause that's coming up in oh, July, course. everybody. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so 
like that's been kind of my draw. And then I, I even, I've been, I think psycho Gorman kind of made me realize I like kind of B horror, like monster flicks like that. <laughs> um, so I, I rented a, another one. I'll talk about it. I, I keep forgetting. I'm going to be talking about a lot of this in a, in a few minutes, but I've been watching a lot of horror John, and slap your hand, slap your wrist. I know, uh, but this particular film, I was really disappointed in. And I actually have found a lot of times I'm disappointed in horror. I used to get scared much easier and I think I liked that part. And that's not a, I don't feel like this movie does a good job of trying to scare its audience as much as it's like, I've seen a bunch of horror films and I'm going to do some really cool aesthetic stuff. I think there's some really good looking stuff in this movie, but it doesn't, it just never quite hit for me. Like, and I don't know if it was the characters or if it's maybe like the over, I think there's a lot of like over foreshadowing of like things that are going to happen or that you are going to expect to happen. And then again, there is that we are cross cutting so much between um, what was it, Arnie and, yep. and the Warrens. And it's like, I agree. The Warrens are not the compelling part of this movie. Like they're not like, they're not actively engaging with the, the part of it that I want to see. And um, I overall was not, I, I want to feel a little bit of dread when I watch a horror film and I just, I never really felt it. Um, yeah. There's and a big reason think, for that as well, but again, I'll mention that in the spoiler yes. episode. So that's, that's our review. Uh, Matt and I both lukewarm on the conjuring. Matt's a little bit more up on it than I am. Um, I have been a little harsher on a horror collectively. I think as a genre, um, I, I know what I want from a horror film. And if I don't, if it doesn't click for me, I want to feel scared when I'm done with it, that's the ultimate bottom line for me. If, if a movie doesn't make me feel something emotionally, uh, whether it's terror or, you know, dread, um, mm-hmm. I'm going to have issues. If it's a horror film, a quiet place too. I was on the edge of my seat for big chunks of that movie. Um, that's not to say I thought it was perfect, but I, at least I had emotional reactions to it. The conjuring, I was just like, uh, my emotional reaction is, is it over yet? And it, it, kept, <laughs> it kept not being over yet. So, um, that's our review for The Conjuring. The Devil Made Me Do It. Hey. Um, and my dog has decided to bark. Uh, thank you, lady. The dog um, made you do it. Or the devil the made him do it. made me do it. Uh, so that said, let's move into what would normally be chopped headlines, except it's not headlines this week, folks. It is our Tribeca preview spectacular. Um, yeah. What we're doing this week is we're going to be looking ahead to the Tribeca Film Festival, which uh, we will include a link to the show notes, but you can watch at home. Um, you can buy individual ticket prices, and I believe there's even packages for the online viewing, um, so you can see multiple movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a festival, actually a physical festival happening in New York, but it is limited in capacity, um, still trying to be safe, and I, I, obviously there's travel restrictions, but those restrictions do not carry over to the online format. Um, yes. The festival officially begins on June 9th, so you, uh, the day before you're hearing this, but it doesn't end till the 20th, so you have a lot of opportunities to see these movies. Um, again, a link in the show notes, but you can also go to TribecaFilm.com. Um, I have covered the Tribeca Film Festival for the last three years. This will be my fourth year covering it, but this will be Matt's first year getting to participate yes. because of this online element. Uh, he doesn't yes. have to leave England, um, which is helpful. It's a shame. I very much, I, listen, obviously my, my dream in life is to, uh, at some point in the next, well, year, get over to the States and share a blue moon and some keto or diet friendly food with Burke. But it would have been lovely as well to head off to New York city and do it as well and get some pizza. But Hey, do it. it I think 
this is great. Yes, I'm also quite biased, but this also opens the the world up as well for people to attend, let's say, London Fest, Film Festival or TIFF or, you know, Sydney Film, whatever it might be. I think, I do honestly think this is a great initiative to have a virtual screenings. You know, it's obviously you want, you want to be there to be able to experience the buzz of the festival. Yeah, it's tiring, but come on watching films to recover them being able to go to the q a's seeing the talent potentially getting the uh, chance to speak with them if you can get up close and personal you know that's what you get for going there however for me sitting here obviously we're in a covid world but being able to you know cover a huge festival like this it's it's incredible it's incredible it's very i'm very appreciative for tribeca for even considering an oik like me uh, so the bloody awesome movie podcast will be giving some bloody awesome coverage. Thank you to Tribeca. And with that, uh, we're going to jump into this. So Matt and I have picked some movies. We're going to just highlight. There are way more movies than we're going to cover here. Yeah. Um, so for full coverage, I would say go to TribecaFilm.com. And they have uh, this year a virtual guide um, that you can download as a PDF, which uh, is this I'm sad because the last, the, well, I didn't get to go to the festival last year, but I covered it online. Um, but the last two, the two years before that, I actually have the books uh, in my possession um, that are, is like this digital guy. So I really wish I had a physical one of this year. Uh, there's a lot of movies at this festival this year. I'm actually pretty mm-hmm. hyped about uh, what's going to be here. Some stuff I, I didn't know was coming out. Um, again, listener, this is the best chance to see these films before they'll be readily available. It's often a year. Uh, they have to get picked up for distribution. Some of these films won't get picked up for distribution. <laughs> unfortunately yep. because most of them deserve to be seen uh there's obviously a lot more distributors now and there's a lot more um outlets for these filmmakers to have their movies shown yeah uh, but festivals Still. are a great place to do it so you can be um, that person who can say to your friends hey have you heard have you seen this film called so and so no well i did i saw it last year when you know when it, when it was still cool so you could be that person as well and it could some of these films could end up in your if you catch them in your best uh best of the year list which is also an exciting thing to think about and that's the thing. Um, I last year, some of my favorite films were small indie films that debuted at festivals. I, we could throw out promising young woman, uh, mm-hmm. sound of metal. Um, I, uh, never rarely, sometimes always, I believe was a yeah, Sundance film, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Um, which was before COVID. And then, uh, the donut man, which is now on, um, or I'm sorry, the donut King, which is now on Hulu. Uh, a film I saw at a uh, Vietnamese festival last year was fantastic. Several of the films that Matt and I watched during our Fantasia coverage of last year is now on Shudder. Um, yeah, some of them made uh, it into my top top like, 10, 15 of the year. Not Fried Berry, but others did. Yeah, but again, Fried Berry, not for us, but definitely exactly what the filmmaker wanted to do and mm-hmm. good for him. Um, Working for a lot of people. Yes. Uh, so w- our point is there, there's a chance that a movie – that you would love is playing at, if not this festival, a festival. And that's why we try to encourage to break out from the mainstream. Don't just watch what is, uh, you know, shown on trailer after trailer after trailer at every Mm -hmm. theater or every TV show, but look for these gems because, um, there might be a story that you connect with on a level that you just can't even put to words. Um, I think that people like Matt and I, I have found we, we had that experience with a movie early on in our life and it just made us constantly look for more. Um, We found that connection with the film and it it brought us into a world of cinema. Um, If you don't love movies, I, I posit that you just haven't seen 
that movie for you yet, but it exists. It's out there. You just haven't found it. And to me, this is an opportunity to explore. Um, so that's how we're going to approach this. We're going to yeah. highlight these movies. Um, again, we're not going to talk too long about each one because we're, this is just a preview. We haven't seen any of these movies yet. We'll, we're, these are movies yeah. we're planning on watching. Um, again, we're going to have written reviews, but we're also going to be talking about these on the next couple of episodes of the podcast. So you will <laughs> hear uh, spoiler-free versions of all of these. Same thing, Matt and I both write spoiler-free um, with our reviews. It's more of our general thoughts, kind of an overview of what we uh, took in and what, what stood out to us and why we either think you should watch it or why you shouldn't. So um, pay attention to those covers. Uh, you might be able to watch a movie um, after we've already seen it. Um Sometimes there are timestamps of when you can watch these films. So like it will vary uh, from case to case, but um, it looks like from what I'm seeing at Tribeca though, the uh, online is it releases after the physical premiere, but then it's, it will have the entire run of the festival. So you'll be able to rent it at any time. So yeah, everything Mm -hmm. we're going to talk about here, you will have access until it looks like the 23rd or the 25th given uh, the online streaming elements from what I'm seeing, like, the first one I'm looking at here, but yeah, I um, hear that. And I, but I would also just want to just back up your point there on festivals, because I do sometimes feel that there is a divide where they used to, where they're similar to how they used to be with uh, production where film and TV were very much separate. You know, you didn't mm-hmm. cross pollinate. And I do sometimes feel that, you know, fe- festival films aren't considered to be uh, films that people want to watch as opposed to the ones you get at theaters. You know, for the mainstream audience, I don't. There's something in my head which, to me, a lot of people don't consider them to be, you know, true film because they're not coming out in the cinemas per se. And in my head, it makes sense. It just seems to be like a weird sort of stigma attached to festival films, like the ones we're going to mention. You know, I haven't heard of a lot of these, but just because of that, doesn't make them any less of a good. These some of these films could be absolutely monstrously good, or they could be awful. Same as if I go to the theatre to watch a film. Um, but obviously the ones in theatre get so much more attention, so much more press coverage that kind of felt one of think that sometimes festival releases, other than like the major festival releases, but festivals are kind of seen as just like quirky indie films, which, you know, somebody else can watch. But no, you gotta, we've all got to stop doing that because some of the best films I've seen in the last few years have been festival films, which may or may not actually have distribution yet still. So, uh, yeah, don't sleep on them. Yeah, and I think the easiest, uh, like, proof that, Hollywood doesn't always know what we like is if you've ever seen a movie that got tons and tons of uh, promotion ahead of its release and then you didn't like it proof that they don't always know what you're going <laughs> to like. Right. Exactly. Um, they're gambling on what they think the public wants, but there's a lot of movies don't work out that way. We're very disappointed. We're, un- we're unhappy with it. Um, and the vi- the same is true with these movies at festivals. Sometimes these movies are outstanding and you're like, why don't more people know about this? And other times I've walked away from some pretty, mo- some pretty moot, pretty bad movies or movies that I thought were pretty bad from a festival. But at the same time, I watch a lot of movies at festivals. Mm-hmm. And so I, I expect to only like a handful a lot because not every movie's for me, right? Like not every movie's yep. designed for me. So again, we're, we're uh, previewing these with no other than like the premise or the concept or the type of movie. And that's all we got. Sometimes it's an actor that makes us like, Ooh, I like that actress or that actor. Yep. Or th- there's a filmmaker that I like who's, maybe just attached as a producer, uh, which is the case for at least two of these, but that's enough for me to be like, well, I like that filmmaker enough that I'm going to trust their judgment. If they felt they should back another filmmaker, I'm going to give that film the benefit of the doubt. Um, I hope to like 
about half of these movies uh, that we're going to talk about today. And if, if I do, then I will say that's a win, but we'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, same. I hope to like all of them, but Hey, yeah. numbers ratios. I'm being realistic. That's the difference. Uh, I, I'm being knowing myself. I won't like all of these for sure. Um, and sometimes it's uh, again, it's not that it's bad. It's just like, man, you see, you see the potential. You're like, this movie could have been the best movie ever. Instead, it's just fine, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, which is not necessarily a bad thing. But all right, uh, Matt, you want to start us off? Uh, pick pick a movie, any movie. Yeah, I'll go with one of the ones at the top. It's called uh, "All My Friends Hate Me," which is a nice, cheery way to start things off. It's mm-hmm. billed as a horror comedy thriller, directed by Andrew Gaynord, and it's style. It's got um, uh, Tom Stoughton, Charlie Clive, Georgina Campbell in. Uh, as well and in short the premise is pete is very insecure he hasn't seen his college mates for a long time for years but they're getting together at a country house and these guys are a bit raucous you know they like to make fun of pete a little bit but pete takes his girlfriend there for the very first time so they get to meet him as well pete also wants to propose um so there's that but as the synopsis says says best laid plans dear audience so uh, they say uh, it's a poignantly appropriate for our socially anxious times it's a black comedy hilariously smart story of one man's paranoia so thick with suspicion that the lines between truth and simple insecurity become fuzzier with each passing minute so it's a they call it a don't miss it comedy that only nails scene after scene of cringeworthy moments and high tension as it goes on so um a little horror comedy to start things up um an ensemble cast uh, and as somebody who's done many cringeworthy things in my life, I'm looking forward to seeing how, how I can relate to this. But so I thought uh, I like a good horror comedy when it's done well. And, you know, synopsis, like John said, we haven't seen this film. We haven't been, we haven't got access to anything other than synopsis and, and, and an image. But um, I'm looking for, this is one which kind of grabbed me a horror comedy about a insecure fellow who's been th- thrown back in with his friends who are clearly odds at odds with him but he's taking his girlfriend there for the first time and it's a horror as well how is it all going to work i've no idea but all my friends hate me is the first film on my list i guess isn't in any order of preference either but uh so i'm Mm. looking forward to seeing that one my friend uh i'm i'm interested in that one i i do want to preface two things before i give my movie one i want to give credit to uh big tuna we were going to try to have big tuna record with us um, to do this because he, uh, a big, big tuner from disappointments media. Um, he helped us pick out some of these movies. He does a lot of prep and he sees way more movies than I can. I don't mm-hmm. understand how he watches. So no, many no, movies. He, I really sleep. Don't. he must not. Cause he also goes to school <laughs> and he also works. So I don't know where he's finding all the time, but, um, he's already actually seen some of the movies that, uh, we're going to be talking about. Um, yes. but, uh, big shout out for him uh, helping us kind of, sort through all the films and uh pick out some and this first one he he recommended um to me it's called seven days um which this i also the second preface that i mentioned is the one downside of at a film festival a year after a pandemic is there's going to be a lot of pandemic based stories there's just gonna be um not all of them but some of them and this one honestly I didn't even realize it was pandemic based until I was just now reading the, the synopsis, but everything else around it sounds so good that I'm okay with it. Um, so 
Seven Days is uh, part of the Viewpoints series. And one of the things about Tribeca that's really cool is they break up the movies into different categories. So there's going to be some uh, like that are competing for best narrative or best documentary. And then there's these Viewpoints where they try to give uh, a microphone to the less represented in, in cinema at times. Mm-hmm. So uh, it'll either be a it'll be a non-white uh, male director. So one of those yep. criteria it might be a white female director, or it might be um, an LBGTQ plus. Uh, director or it might be uh, a foreign filmmaker or you know a non-american filmmaker or something um to give voice to someone else uh this movie is set up on a pre-arranged date by their old-fashioned indian parents ravi played by karan sony and rita geraldine vish oh man i'm gonna mess up her name this one nathan this one it's definitely not this one Oh, there you go. I could have got the Athan because that's totally how my name is said. But nevertheless, seemingly having nothing in common, making for it an afternoon that, while pleasant enough, couldn't be any more awkward. So it's got a romantic comedy vibe where the COVID tie-in is. As the COVID outbreak intensifies, the shelter-in-place mandate is issued, forcing Ravi to spend the night at Rita's place. So they get kind of shoved in a room together. Now, I like these two actors a lot. Yeah. Um, so I'm... I'm sold by them. And then I love rom-coms. Like if you've been listening to this podcast, you know, that's true. Um, mm-hmm. It's directed by Roshan Sethi. Uh, I'm not familiar with them as a filmmaker, but um, I'm excited. Uh, this movie right up my alley. I think uh, Tuna specifically recommended this one for me. And it makes perfect sense because again, it's checking a lot of my boxes. Um, and I, I, I I'm, definitely one of the first ones that I'm going to get to watch. I, I think we're going to be able to watch it on Friday and mm-hmm. it'll probably be one of the first ones that I watch um, as well. It's, it's definitely, it's on the earliest list of movies that we'll have access to. So mm-hmm. I am very pumped to give that one a watch. Yeah. Good chat, my friend. That one looks good. Again, the cast looks good. And just looking at the resume of the director, uh, a, a rising star so uh interested for that one um you had another one down for an early bird as well didn't you yeah uh, you want me to go back to back huh all right yeah do that. go on you I do can that do it, man i can do it um I, so this one again another big tuna wreck although not knowing he'd recommended this i saw a, the the banner picture for this and it was immediately like oh i'm gonna watch this because of this actress i am a big fan of uh Haley law um, mm-hmm. She was in uh, the new romantic with uh, Jesse Barden. And I thought she was like standout in that movie. She's the best friend. So, so good. And then she's the best friend in spontaneous, which I also think she's amazing. And she's not in it enough in my opinion, but I love that movie so much. I will forgive it. Um, but she appears to be the lead. And that was like, Oh, awesome. Cause I haven't seen her get that opportunity. And so I was, I was hooked right away. So this movie's called Mark, Mary and some other people. Um, I'm assuming Haley Law is going to be playing Mary, maybe Mark, mm-hmm. who knows? Uh, Mark Ooh, and Mary, uh, and again, another rom-com. So in my wheelhouse, Mark and Mary, <laughs> uh, Mary's meet cute happens at a neighborhood drugstore where she is busy buying a pregnancy test and he has to make an effort to remind her they met in college. After asking her out, he accompanies her as she takes the test and upon showing negative, she agrees to a date. <laughs> Uh, one year later, they have fallen deeply, passionately, head over heels in love, and their whirlwind romance leads to marriage. So when Mary suddenly requests they they open their relationship to ethical non-monogamy, Mark is taken by surprise, <laughs> but agrees to try it. Um, so Ben Rosenfield and Haley Law, directed by direct, written and directed by Hannah Marks. Um, I am very uh, into the premise of this. This sounds like it'll be. Uh, funny but also it's listed as a drama as well which so is the last film so there's going to be the serious elements but um 
so much about this just appeals to me. I think law has a really great sense of comedy. Mm-hmm. And so her getting that opportunity, I think will be really, really funny. She's got a good kind of satirical um, sarcasm about her that I just, I thought worked really well in new romantic. And it also worked really well in spontaneous. And I, I don't know if it's the, the role she's picking or if it's just her natural um, like personality coming into the roles, but she's really good at downplaying the drama of not making it feel melodramatic, but also not, not undercutting it, not making it feel like it's not, there's no stakes, but also like, Hey, but let's be real. Life goes on. Sure. This is tough. Sure. This is sad, Mm -hmm. but we'll be okay. Like it always has that vibe to me, even in spontaneous, which was a pretty stressful movie. I felt like she was able to bring like, no, this is serious and the stakes are high, but ultimately I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And, we're just going to have to keep living. And I, I, I really like that. And especially now it feels like we need that kind of vibe in our movies, a little bit of positivity. So. Yep. Yep. Um, Hannah Marks directed it. Uh, Rolling Stone named her as one of their 25 artists who are under 25 for changing the world. And mm. Forbes also put her in her 30 under 30 as well. So, you know, wow. and, and again, director, rising star, good castler there and the that synopsis sounds quite fun as well so i mean i'm sold for that one as well my friend um my next one is a film called no man of god world premiere it is this one is directed by amber seeley and she's a, an award woman winning filmmaker who's done a lot of cool stuff and it's uh this one stars elijah wood and uh, luke kirby as your main stars and it's a drama thriller uh, and the synopsis it says it, it was a, rad- a radical new approach to criminal investigations profiling through one-on-one discussions with serial offenders. FBI researchers could go much more in depth. Uh, FBI analyst Bill Hagmeyer, Elijah Wood, emboldened by this new philosophy, sat down with famed serial killer Ted Bundy, played by Luke Kirby, for several interviews from eighty-four to eighty-nine inside Florida State Prison, in hopes of figuring out why Bundy murdered more than twenty victims. What started out as a straightforward informational assignment gradually turned personal for Hagmeyer, whose feelings about his charismatic subject grew more complicated with each conversation. Is it possible to emphasize with evil? So um, I, you know, true crime resonates with me on a certain level. I don't like the idea of glorifying killers or or anything like that. And that's always my worry going into any film like this. Are they going to try and, really play on the fact that Ted Bundy was this charismatic um, charmer because that is what he was. You know, that's how he got so much of his, you know, so many of his victims to fall prey to him. Um, I obviously, I don't want him to play on that too much how, and glorify the man, How, it, but it's always something that interests me going in is how, what angle are they going to go for? Is this going to be a hundred minutes of, you know, Elijah Wood and Luke Kirby face to face and with Elijah Wood trying to unravel the mind of Bundy? interesting I, I like the sound of this um we mentioned off here we had extremely wicked shock and involved with zach efron as ted bundy a few years back which i didn't i quite liked that film um so we're getting another ted bundy film a few years later i mean the bundy one got some controversy because people thought they were glamorizing him i don't think they were in that film so i'm looking to see if they do here but i like me a uh i like me a good drama and i like me a good thriller so no man of god my next choice and um, with that, uh, just bringing attention to those at home who want to watch this, it's going to be available to start to rent on June 12th. However, yeah. this one has a shorter window. It looks like they're going to remove it on the 14th. So if you do want to watch it, you're going to need to watch it this weekend. Um, so keep that in mind. It looks like some movies will have a long window where you'll have like a week or two to watch it. 
and movies like this that I think they're expecting probably to get distribution because it's of the cast and stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's a smaller window. So definitely when you, if you hear something that sounds compelling to you, go check the website, TribecaFilm.com and find out when you can see it because we don't want you to miss it. Like don't think that every film is going to have that two week window uh, as they don't. So um, that said, listener, uh, we're going to talk about a movie that is about a movie. Um, so nice. back in, back in the old days, I think it's, 99 2000 i'm gonna confirm this um there's a movie called oh god it's older it's 95 wow i was way <laughs> too young when i saw this movie Dude. uh so um kids 1995 directed by larry clark introduces um quite a few big name actresses uh we get chloe sevigny's debut and rosario dawson's debut in this film um both of whom i'm big fans of uh you know chloe you, most likely listener you've seen in uh the american horror story mo- show um, and she's in other, she's in a lot of stuff, but that's where I think a lot of America will have seen her. Rosario Dawson most recently would have been on the Mandalorian season two, um, as mm-hmm. Ahsoka Tano. Um, but she's in tons of stuff. She's, you know, bounced around in some Kevin Smith things, but, um, kids was extremely controversial at the time, uh, because they, they were basically real teenagers being portrayed, doing what teenagers probably do, but most parents did not want to accept, um, and worse was it, this was uh, post the AIDS like pan, like epidemic in the eighties. But uh, one of the main characters of that movie, Kids, is just awful. Uh, he had he finds out he has AIDS, but doesn't stop fooling around with girls, and um, it's awful. Uh, but this movie at Tribeca is called The Kids. And it is a documentary about that movie from from uh, 1995. It's, it has been 26 years since Larry Clark's notorious indie cult classic Kids uh, was released to unsuspecting nations. Shots on the, shot on the streets of Greenwich Village and starring a cast of real New York teenagers, the film immediately became a lightning rod for controversy. Labeled as a sex and drug-fueled tale of excess and moral depravity, it still went on to become a bona fide hit, which inspired intense debate and scrutiny. Over the decades, the film has continued to gather a devoted following and is responsible for birthing the careers of auteur Harmony Corinne, who would uh, go into um, Spring Breakers and uh, there's a couple other movies Corinne has done that. Um, Gummo, I think, is with the other big one. Um, and actresses Rosario Dawson and Chloe Sevigny. But what happened to the rest of the kids? That's, I guess, this documentary is going to attempt to answer those questions. Um, there's some dark stuff that comes of it. Uh, I recently read an article about it, so I'm, I'm very intrigued by this documentary. Um, that was a movie, again, I, I was way too young. I was uh, 13, I guess, when I maybe 14 when I saw mm-hmm. it um, for the first time. But it was a regular on HBO, so I would watch it a lot. And I didn't... Um, I just found it so different than all the other films I'd, I was watching because they weren't actors, but they were trying. And I, I remember even kind of criticizing like, this performance is so uh, mediocre. But then there were the standouts like Chloe and, and Rosario, who you could tell have what it takes to become actors and actresses. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, I'm really excited to check this out because I haven't seen that movie in years, probably since the 90s, but I've never forgotten it. It's always been kind of on the, the forefront of my mind. Um, just this crazy, you know, film that I, I watched and it was probably one of my early independent films that I, cause it, it definitely has the indie vibe. It's very gritty. Like the lighting's not great. Um, you know, that you could tell it was shot with what they had available kind of thing. And, uh, I, I've, I've just never forgotten it. So I'm excited for this doc. Yeah, so I need to watch that. You asked me off here. I really want to watch that film because I like the cast. I like Rosario Dawson, but I'm aware of the uh, controversy surrounding the film. And 
controversy like all, all they say all, all um what did i say yeah all attention is good attention all controversy is good controversy apparently so gets people wanting to watch it so i should really fast track that especially if i'm going to watch the documentary about the film so i imagine next week i'll be telling you how much i hey. uh did enjoy or didn't enjoy that film harmony corinne is the credited writer on uh kids which i did not realize so oh, okay okay so keeping it in-house um well, I've gone for a film called Brighton Fourth for my next one. It's a uh, <laughs> genre is New York and drama. So there you go. Um, it's a feature which is a joint collaboration between Bulgaria, Georgia, Monaco, the, um, the state of Monaco, Russia and the USA. And this one is directed by Levan uh, Kogoshvili, who uh, he's he had a film called street days, blind dates, which are all very well um, received. And one of his films actually won an award at Tribeca seven years ago. So he has precedence with this festival, but this is a, it's been, it's already been compared to the wrestler, the Mickey rock film in terms oh. of like the rawness of it. This film is a uh, synopsis, former wrestling champion, Kaki played by Levan Teddy Ashvili, who was once a former re- Olympic wrestler himself. Uh, he always has his family on his conscience uh, and this leads him on a cross-continental journey. After making arrangements to cover his, for his brother's gambling debts, Kaki departs his humble home in the Republic of Georgia to fa- pay a visit to his son, Soso, in outer Brooklyn. Uh, as, Ka- as Kaki settles into Soso's Brighton Beach boarding house, which constitutes a pop-up community of fellow Georgian immigrants, he learns that Soso has also accrued a $14,000 debt to the local mob boss, a roadblock to Soso's future in medicine. So it's a jaded old wrestler who's having to is a family man who's going from Georgia, the Republic of Georgia in Eastern Europe to New York to see his son. His son's in deep with the sharks. Uh, I think this has the potential to be fairly hard hitting this drama. Uh, I liked the wrestler with Mickey Rourke. Again, that's very raw Aronofsky film, very raw. And this seems to have all the potential to be up there based on the synopsis, based on what else I read about it. And Eastern Europe, uh, European filmmakers, they get it. They get it. I've said that on other shows, you know, European filmmakers, they know how to make a, 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 you know, a hard hitting, gritty, raw drama, personal drama film. So that has got my attention. So a little film called Brighton Fourth, which is available to stream from June the 15th at home. Uh, I didn't actually preview that one. So I'm excited after hearing about it. I'm very like, Oh, that sounds totally up my alley. Um, I, I, same this one's actually similar um this movie is called italian studies it is the world premiere it's part of the spotlight narrative so spotlight narratives are not in competition but they really are highlighting this movie mm-hmm. um i am not familiar with uh i actually am um the new york-based auteur adam leon who did a movie called tramps that i reviewed with Corey on movie club a, a while back um it was a netflix original uh really like that movie it's got um one of the guys from green room if i remember correctly Ooh, uh, yeah. is the lead in it and so um, this New York author skillfully drops the audience into this neo-realist wonder of a film that finds a mysterious woman played by Vanessa Kirby, uh, wandering the streets nice. of Manhattan in confusion, seemingly unsure of who she is or where she's meant to be, finding herself inexplicably drawn to a charismatic teenager. She embarks on an adventure with him through the cityscape and into the unknown. Um, I'm a big fan of New York movies, so I'm instantly kind of into this idea. Uh, obviously this is a New York film festival. So any type New York movies get a lot of hype around of this festival. Uh, they especially want to give tribute to those New York filmmakers and give them a, a place to really showcase their films. 
uh, I'm in on that. So uh, this movie sounds really interesting. It's listed as drama. Um, and that's it. Uh, and, and women, but I'm, I'm guessing maybe because it's a woman's protagonist, but uh, mm-hmm. I, yep. I, I like what I've seen of Vanessa Kirby. I still haven't watched her uh, Oscar nominated performance yet. Um, but I, I'm, this movie sounds interesting. So I'm, I'm in. Yeah, they describe it as a lucid dream of a film that simmers with a mesmerizing renegade energy. So that's pretty Ooh. cool. Uh, Maya Hawke's in it as well. Uh, Ethan Hawke and Uma Thurman's daughter. So ah, um, very cool. She's, she's I mean, in, New York uh, native. I believe she is in um, Supernatural. Not Supernatural. Uh, Stranger what's the Things. show? Stranger Things season yes. three, if I'm not mistaken. She is in that, and she was in Little Women once upon a time in Hollywood. So. She, uh, she's obviously picked up uh, the bug from her parents, the acting bug. She's really good in Stranger Things. I don't remember her in those other two movies, uh, which is probably, I mean, both of those movies are ensembles. So uh, yeah. probably there you go. Smaller parts, maybe. Um, did you want to have another one, mate? Yeah, you know what? I do. Uh, I'm gonna, This one also, I, I'm so happy I clicked on this one because uh, it's also part of the Viewpoint series. And I was kind of going through the Viewpoints and I, I didn't even notice on the banner image until just now that Thomas and Mackenzie is blatantly right there. Like I'm looking at her, <laughs> but uh, uh, it, it also stars uh, Essie Davis, who most people will know from the Babadook. Um, and if you don't know the Babadook, you should totally watch the Babadook. Uh, oh, she's a baby tea country. It's called the justice of bunny King. So it's not the, it's not the best name. Um, it's not as bad as the devil made me do it, but nevertheless, <laughs> Um, it, it is listed as a drama. It is also a New Zealand film. Uh, but Bunny King spends her days washing car windshields on a busy street, pocketing the change she earns and tips. Uh, for now, she is sleeping on her sister's couch, but she's saving up for a place of her own. What Bunny wants more than anything is to be reunited with her two children who've been placed in foster care. And mm-hmm. until she finds uh, her own house, family services won't let her act as their parent. When a plan that would fi- uh, finally allow Bunny to bring her kids home falls apart, Bunny is forced to become a champion not only for herself and her children, but also for her teenage niece, Tanya, played by Mackenzie, um, who's desperate for her help. Uh, this is the, the f- first feature for Gaysorn Thavit, um, but I, I'm so on board with this. It's, it's definitely going to be an emotional film, but yeah. I think uh, these two actresses are tremendous and can definitely bring a lot to it. Um, so I, I'm hopeful for this. This totally sounds like a compelling story. Um, I like movies that bring attention to these type of issues where there's this seemingly imbalance. Like, I don't know, maybe bunny is messed up. Maybe bunny shouldn't have her kids or maybe the system is not perfect. And that could be, and again, this we're talking of a New Zealand system in this case, but nevertheless, sometimes these systems, we see the same problems in different areas and uh, bringing attention to them is a great use of film. So I'm excited to check this one out. Yep. Uh, that one sound, the talent involved sounds great. Essie Davis is wonderful in the Babadook. She was great in baby teeth. Uh, and she's really good in the true history of Kelly gang, the Kelly gang as well. So she's a, yes. Oh man. So excellent good. actress, but she, when it comes to drama, get, gets it. She nails it. So this, that sounds like a, I'm not going to say an awful lot of fun because it, it doesn't, but it sounds like no. it could be a hell of a film. Fingers crossed. My friend, good show. I'm glad you picked that one as well, Mike, because I hadn't um, seen that one. Um, uh, next the one title picked- is not, attention grabbing right like so yeah it's a bit kind of like i say it's a bit vanilla it's not exactly the most exciting thing but then reading that synopsis there's a pull there um my next film is something called we need to do something it's a horror film it's listed as a horror lgbtqia film which is available to stream from the 16th of june wednesday 6 p.m uh est and the synopsis reads for teenager melissa Family dysfunction is a norm. 
when a freak tornado traps Melissa inside the family home's bathroom with her parents and younger brother, those rifts are exacerbated. And as their confinement within the increasingly more claustrophobic by the hour lavatory stretches to multiple days, the situation grows extremely volatile. But there's more than just hard feelings threatening the family. Something evil is beyond the walls, toying with them. Is this a family's reckoning at the hands of a higher power? Or was it unintentionally triggered by Melissa and her girlfriend, Amy? Whatever the cause is, one thing's for certain. All hell is about to break loose. Uh, it's uh, directed by Sean O'Grady, first time director. It's uh, called a single location fun house of horrors, starting off intense as hell and steadily tightening its grip. Unpredictable, unhinged and laced with offbeat humour. Wildly fun as it is deeply disturbing. God damn. I mean already just by that um sierra mccormick vanessa shaw pat healy leza alexis john james cronin are your stars for this film just that synopsis alone man was enough to make me think i am mm. totally in it's uh it's part of the midnight section on yeah um on tribeca so there will be it won't be for younger viewers of course but i'm, I'm in i'm in there i think there's they're going to play into a lot of elements here uh, mm. just based on that synopsis there's a lot going to be going on and damn deeply and, disturbing but wildly fun damn i mean yeah pat healy is always good in these type of movies too mm-hmm. so i'm, I'm yeah. extra sold because of that um want why don't you do one more there bud you know what i'm gonna pull a jb and i'm gonna do that um this one um i thought looked interesting and i certainly hope it does uh we hear um rumors in the underworld of what it whether it's good or not, we've heard those, but we'll save our opinions on that or other people's. This is a film called Werewolves Within. Horror, comedy, mystery, uh, available from Thursday, June the 17th, if you want to watch it at home. Directed by uh, Josh Rubin, who uh, had a film at Sundance last year called Scare Me. And he's also directed a lot of shorts, uh, including The Last Degree of Kevin Bacon. And this is... Uh, stars, sorry, Sam Richardson... Uh, Milana, Vaintrub, Michaela Watkins, Shane Jackson, Glenn Fleshler, and Harvey Gillian. And let's tell you, I'll tell you what's about. Forest Ranger Finn Wheeler, which is Sam Richardson from Veeps, is jazzed about his latest assignment, temporarily living inside the Beaver Field Inn, a cosy, woods bound nook run by nice folks and frequented by Beaver Field's colourful array of residents. For the duration of a new pipeline construction project, little does he realise his timing couldn't be worse. For one, a major snowstorm is set to rid him and the inn's occupants of communication with the outside world. And two, something is on the loose and brutally murdering Beaverfield denizens. Perhaps something uh, lycanthropic, lycanthropic. As the body count rises, it's up to Finn to play the reluctant hero and figure what or who is shrinking Beaverfield's population. Uh, yes, I do enjoy a horror film, but I like a horror film like the last one, which could be dripping in just absolute dread and tension. But I also like a lighthearted comedy as well. And this... If it's good, could be uh, a lot of good fun. Uh, delightfully macabre whodunit monster movie, it's called, based on Ubisoft's popular VR game of the same name. So video game film as well. Can it be better than some of the rest of the naff stuff we've had in that genre? Um, again, could could be good. Might not be. As with all these films, uh, I'm willing to hang my hat on it, though. So hopefully it's good. Werewolves within, horror comedy, uh, which might have some werewolves within it. That's not a spoiler. It's in the title. Uh, Werewolves of End is my next choice. Uh, um, you know, I'm hopeful. Uh, we've had some funny, good werewolf movies in recent years. So let's yes. hope 
Um, yes. I, I say let's just do one more each, just for time's sake. Um, I think you're right. I, I'm going to pull this one because I, I think this one is the one that I am the least aware of prior, but it is connected to Florida. And so I'm, I'm, you know, I'm in Florida. So I figured why not? Um, this is part of the U S narrative competition. It is called God's waiting room. Um, and it's in the thick heat of central Florida. So I'm like, hold up. I'm in central Florida. So <laughs> that's a hundred percent why I'm interested in this. And I'm just going to throw it out there. But Rosie played by Nizalda Gonzalez, is a musician fresh out of high school. Can't shake her boredom. Before long, she meets Jules, Matthew Leone, uh, probably Leone, a hustler from New York. So we have the crossover here of New York and Florida. Uh, she falls hard for her streetwise charms and his easy confidence. On the other side of town, Brandon, Tyler Riggs, who is also our director, writer, and I think editor. Uh, so Riggs is heavily involved in this film. Uh, returns home after a decade in prison, but his transition to life on the outside is dogged by the scars of his past. Uh, the summer drags on, pushing these three characters together down a dangerous path. Um, it might be a little overdramatic, but you know, I, I am intrigued because it's Florida based. Um, and apparently Tyler Riggs moved from Florida to, to New York to study acting in, uh, at the age of 21 in 2015, he produced and starred in Boomtown alongside Rachel Brosnahan. God's Waiting Room is his feature old directorial debut. And again, he produced, he directed, he wrote the screenplay. He's the editor and he's a co-star. He did take the third lead based on the synopsis. So maybe a little too ambitious, but good for him. Uh, It's Florida. I like that he's, you know, centering it around Florida. Um, what you know where he comes from so i'm Mm -hmm. i'm intrigued i'm trying to like do i know this guy because tyler riggs sounds so familiar but um it's possible man maybe it's one of my former students and i just don't remember i hope not that would i would feel awful uh but it could be um Mm -hmm. or maybe he knows one of my former students nevertheless uh i couldn't couldn't resist putting that on the list given that it was uh centered around florida um hopefully it's very good yeah, got a shout out to your hometown or your home state. So, um, yeah, for one more, uh, there is a one of uh, the horror film one to shout out called Honeydew. That sounds like it could be pretty scary. Check that out. Um, but the film I'll focus on for my last one is, um, from the spotlight narrative, um, section and it's called false positive and it's a thriller directed by John Lee, who uh, directed broad city peewee's big holiday search party and um mm. some television stuff televisual stuff as well and it's got a decent cast in this one the synopsis yeah, after difficult struggles with fertility loving couple lucy who's played by elena glazer and adrian justin through seem to have finally found their potential savior in the charming and world-renowned reproductive specialist dr hindle pierce brosnan but as their dreams begin to come true and hope transforms to happiness, cracks start to appear in the facade of normalcy, sending the now expectant mother into a spiral of suspicion that threatens her grasp on reality. It's called a clever and chilling look at gender roles and the notion of unconditional trust. Unexpectedly twisted tale. It's got so a memorable turn from Gretchen Mole, apparently as well. So uh, uh, this is uh, this looks like it could be. Uh, again another this this seems more like a heart pounding type thriller to me the idea or or like a psychological thriller as well so good cast um the the story sounds very promising and yeah i I, the description there i say clever and chilling i mean little things like that make me very sophia bush is also in it i'm very easy to um to win over just give me something like that which sounds exciting which sounds 
like it's got a stakes and it sounds psychological. I mean, this is available to stream from Friday, June the 18th. And I believe it would be uh, going to Hulu uh, not long after. It's uh, US, some, some, you know, A24 are attached to this as well. So uh, mm. it's got, you know, it's got people behind it. There you go. Um, and again, we want to remind, there are a lot of other movies that we are not previewing right now. So yeah. check out TribecaFilm.com uh, and look at all of the at-home viewing on the festival to see what else is there. Um, we're going to watch uh, more movies than what we mentioned even. Mm-hmm. And again, all of our reviews will be at BerkReviews.com and at WhatIWatchTonight.co.uk um, just to make sure that all of our readers have access to both of our thoughts. Um, yep. Matt and I are going to split the work, so we're not going to necessarily both write about each, but we will be talking about several of these films yes. on the next couple of episodes of this podcast. So just by coming back, you will get to hear our general thoughts, spoiler-free uh, we will do spoiler free for all of the Tribeca coverage. We won't do a spoiler episode because again, some of these movies won't be available to the public for a while. And so mm-hmm. uh, we don't want to accidentally have someone spoiled something they can't even see for a year. Slightly redundant as well with some may not get distribution sadly at all or not for years. Yeah. So yeah, but yeah, and looking that, forward to, so looking forward to this man. Yeah, we're, we're going to be, uh, that'll be the next couple of episodes. Um, we'll probably cover the big releases around the, the globe in our media consumption, which is where we're going to go next. We're going to get into media consumption, which is uh, movies, TV, video games, music, podcasts, etc. that we use to pass the time between our recordings. And Matt, you're going to start us off. What have you seen since the last time we recorded? I am going to, and thankfully, mine is also a short list because uh, I've been busy I was busy last week for uh, reasons I'll get into later, but I uh, partially watched Cleopatra, the 1963 top grossing film of that year. It's four, four and a half, four hours long on Disney Plus. So um, I've, you know, I'm, I'm splitting that one up. We'll be covering that on astrology uh, in our next episode. So as the top grocer, got to watch it. So I'm on it now. I'm doing the, I'm, t- I'm doing the, 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 the devil made me do it and I'm doing a devil's work. So, hey, look, it could be great but I've watched the first hour of it. So I'm, I've started, um, but all thoughts will be on astrology. I also watched Cruella, which you watched uh, last week with, um, with your wife and you said you enjoyed it. And I can say I'm on the same uh, path as you there, friend. I really had a good time with Cruella. It's uh, I was surprised how much I enjoyed this film. I think Emma Stone same. was good. Emma Thompson is like, viciously good in this film. Horribly good Emma Thompson is. He's just an awful person in his film. The soundtrack yeah. was great. Um, I don't agree that with people who are saying it's too on the nose. The soundtrack is great, and I have yes. no. There are there are no arguments. The soundtrack is great. Uh, yeah, there, there there are flaws in the film. You know, maybe for me, maybe five minutes too long. Um, but I really really enjoyed it. I didn't think it was going to go certain places. There a couple of twists in it which I actually didn't see coming. So it surprised me. And when I came out of seeing it, I was. Uh, I was very happily surprised. So Corella, I would, I'm with John, but I would happily recommend that dude. Um, I watched the bad batch episode six on Disney plus cover that on sessions every Friday. Uh, it's good. Again, another good episode setting up the seeds for the final 10 episodes little, and, and it's moving slowly to where it needs to get to. So if you like star Wars, if you like animation, uh, I recommend giving it a go. It's, it's, um, it's good fun with some slightly more, darker elements at times for those who are more attuned to that kind of stuff and i finally finished playing the last of us 2 finally finished it i say finally oh. because i um as i've just been busy so i haven't been able to get to it as much as i wanted to last week but every time i was playing it i was like eking out every single minute of the hours of the night i could to play it i was 
no pulling late ones because I was in I was invested partly also because like a film I want to know what happens I'm so in with these characters all of them I, I need to know what happens to them I don't want to go on YouTube and look at it. I want to I want to, I want to experience this um, so I was like blasting through it for that reason but also because I was just so in so invested i love this game i think this game is excellent um a year removed from all of the hoopla and just stupidness which surrounded it um i could just play it on its own merits and as a person who's getting into games i've got no loyalty per se to naughty dog or any of any studio so i'm playing it as a cynical old man and i damn did i like this game i really i think the extra 10 hours from the first game was necessary didn't feel bogged down the additional characters were they added so much to the game the returning characters in the stories that they had were powerful emotional sad heartbreaking there's you know every adjective under the sun honestly the the last of us and the last of us two are fantastic storytelling and narrative device honestly i could go on about these for hours and i will do at some point but um finally finished it and i was so very satisfied with the ending of the game yeah i I also really like that game, and I, I never really got the criticisms about it, but I, I enjoyed it very much. Mm-hmm. Yep, and uh, that's me, though, dude. Um, fairly short uh, week for, obviously, I watched The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do it as well. Yeah. Um, so I listened to the most recent episode of Blank Check Podcast where they covered Shaft from 2000, Shaft. Um, which I also watched for the first time. Yep. Uh, do you Do you know the cast in that movie because i only knew samuel L. jackson i um, know one of the cast because I, I have seen that film and um i wasn't a massive fan of it but i know you messaged me the other day with a slightly surprising it's surprising in hindsight but then maybe not so much but no an odd bit of casting. christian bale tony collette um just those two alone i was just like what um and, and of course Buster rhymes mean. yeah yeah but i i thought it was entertaining it's not a mm-hmm. great movie and it's super problematic in in other <laughs> ways uh that how it tackles um police relations is very interesting um yep. uh, i'd love to hear john singleton talk about it unfortunately he has passed away too early um yep. but along with watching shaft for the first time i watched the curse of the cat people uh, another val luton produced film um that one we watched for the uh movie club podcast uh cory and i this month of june 2021 we are doing um unwanted is the theme it's uh sequels that no one necessarily asked for uh speaking nice. of which we'll be watching exorcist 2 this month yes um, uh in a couple of weeks so get ready for that but um i watched another val Luton film isle of the dead that one was on the martin scorsese best horror film list mm-hmm. uh same thing with the changeling from 1980 um i'd never seen the changeling i knew about it uh man that movie's real good. Uh, and again, a great example of a horror film that I f- had emotional reactions to. I was, there was dread, there was suspense, um, some really cool shots. Uh, very, very cool movie. Uh, I watched a rewatch. I've seen this movie too many times, but tenacious D the pick of destiny. I am a big tenacious D fan. I like Jack black a lot. I think the stupid humor in it is great. The music is awesome. Really enjoy it. Um, I finally caught the Bo Burnham's inside the new Netflix special. That is, uh, kind of gone viral. This. yeah it's amazing um i was already a big fan of Bo. his eye for camera placement is like unparalleled like he puts the camera in some really cool places and he did everything on this special like he is alone in a room he's the cinematographer he's the director he's the editor 
Um, there's so much meta stuff about the making of it, uh, the relationship to the pandemic, mental health. It's just brilliant. Um, it's still funny, too. That's the thing. Um, some people are like, oh, they watched and they got depressed. I didn't. I was like, just like, wow, how brilliant is this guy? Um, I've been a big fan of Bose. Uh, he just continues to impress me every time he does anything. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then uh, after Psycho Gorman, I'm a little more open to some B horror. So I rented <laughs> Willie's Wonderland for 99 oh, yeah. cents. Interesting. Uh, I've seen this. Uh, it, it's not great. Um, <laughs> it was nowhere near as fun as Psycho Gorman. Uh, <laughs> I, I felt like a lot of the, the action sequences that could have been really cool are shot too tight. Um, where you can't really see what's going on. And then uh, the fights are kind of boring. I thought like, like I, I was really looking forward to like some good action stuff. And there's a lot of them are not that cool. There's a couple of cool ones. Um, but there's a few that are just like perfunctory. And uh, we, t- we talked a lot about like the rules of the monsters with uh, quiet place part two. Yeah. Um, this movie definitely does not have any sense of like guidance for their, why the creatures do what they do or when they can do what they do. Like, it's just like, whatever, it's fine. Um, but overall I found it pretty enjoyable and just the novelty of Nick Cage, you get Nick Cage to star in your movie and then never let him speak. Yes. Is, is pretty ballsy. So that was kind of interesting. Um, uh, and then, uh, I did complete the haunting of Hill house. I've watched the entire, uh, se- season, Nice. Um, it's the only season cause that's the, the epitome. I, I, I'm going to throw this in there. I bought the book and I've read like a little bit of it. I don't read a lot folks. I try, um, my brain wanders painfully when I'm reading, like I am all over the place. Uh, but I, I've liked what I've read so far. I'm going to actually probably read a chapter later tonight because I haven't read for a couple days, but I am going to, it's a short book too. It's such a, I probably should have already read the whole thing, but, um, I, I'm so compelled by the two movies, The Haunting, and then the TV series, The Haunting of Hill House, all of which are inspired by um, Shirley Jackson's novel, or it might be a novella. It's very small, but um, I found it at a local used bookstore. Mm-hmm. Um, sh- uh, shout out to the book shelter. Um, it's very affordable. They have such a great selection because I really, I stared at a, a wall of books for like 10 minutes looking for this book, could not find it. And then my friend walked up and found it instantly. <laughs> right in front of my face um and i'm like well thank you sir i'm going to buy this and uh yeah so i'm i'm reading folks uh that is unprecedented um i i i don't have the attention span to read much anymore so uh that that's a book for media consumption how about that Uh, i don't think that's ever happened this is unheard Um, of almost yes uh so that said um that's what we've been consuming but all this consumption can take a lot out of us and in order for us to continue doing this podcast every week, we must actively ensure that we are doing something to stay bloody awesome. So Matt, tell me, sir, what did you do since the last time we recorded to make sure you had uh, efficient bloody awesome levels so you don't need like an IV uh, at the hospital for it? No, well, I, I, my, bloody aws- my bloody awesomeometer, I try saying that after a few points, it was off the scale since the last episode because um mm. it was half term in the united kingdom in the uk which is a, you know spring break type thing where we the kids get a week off school in between term oh. times um got it so uh, i spent the entirety of the time with my uh, little princess i shall call her aka the monster reagan from the exorcist herself my daughter olivia i spent the whole week with her and we did cool stuff together you know soft play and 
went to the went to cool country parks and ate far too much ice cream and bad food um she's only five not don't come at me she didn't eat that much bad food she brushes her teeth and eats vegetables and fruit more than she needs to which is great um but no just uh, that's why i haven't been doing as much um pop culture stuff because you know i was doing that which is obviously this obviously that obviously takes precedence over everything as you will know um so uh films and tv and books took and video games as it turned out took a back seat i did get some in um but you know doing doing the best thing to raise any kind of um any levels any emotional levels of in you or physical levels is spending time with your loved ones so i did that all last week with the with the with the nipper herself and had a very good week if i must say so myself so that's how i stayed bloody awesome last week and um yours may be yours may be kind of similar in a way yeah um i instead of spending time with other people i've been spending time doing what i want to do uh we as i mentioned i am on summer break which just started this week but last week um we had finals and then like the the second half of the day was was just whatever kind of time grading and all that but mm-hmm. um i i actively was just uh my wife actually part of the reason why that happened my wife had to go out of town for work on tuesday wednesday and thursday so it was like my daughter was hanging out with her friend and i was basically to my own devices what did i want to do um and so i hung out with some of my friends i played you know, games i've obviously watched a lot of movies um, more than I normally can get in in a week. I think Saturday and Monday, I watch three movies each day. Um, and so I've been just kind of doing, uh, stuff I want to do. Um, I've, I've actively made sure to get some stuff prepared for next year to like, so that I could get it done now. That way I have the two months of my summer break, pretty much two months of summer break. I am doing everything in my power to break this summer. And Tribeca is just a part of that. I'm actively, my goal is three movies a day for the next uh, two weeks with Tribeca. I'm going to try to watch at least three Tribeca films each day. Cause that's what I would do if I was in New York for the festival, I would watch three to four, maybe five films, mm-hmm. depending on the, the schedule and the times and how they all overlapped and ever. But that's uh, my time in, in at all film festivals. When I'm at them, you're watching movies pretty much from the time you wake up until you go to bed. And then the in-between times you're either eating, drinking some kind of caffeinated beverage and then writing because that's how you get your reviews done. And I'm going to treat it like I'm in New York. I'm going to watch the movies. Uh, I'll probably order some takeout. Um, The beauty is obviously you can start the movie when you want, but at the same time, like if you're going to get three in a day, you're not going to have a lot of, of of other things to do. I'm still going to keep up to my workout schedule, which I'm on a different workout schedule because I'm on break. Mm -hmm. So I get to actually work out in the morning, which I prefer um, because then the rest of my day is like, good. I don't have to worry about working out. I've already checked that off the list. Um, and so, uh, I'll work out in the morning. I'm going to watch my movies and I am, I'm, I'm super stoked, man. I'm, I'm excited for Tribeca. This is, um, last year's Tribeca was real disappointing because I had planned on going in person and then that was shut down and they were one of the first festivals to go online. So they were up against how do we convert what was going to be a physical normal film festival to mm-hmm. one of the first ever online festivals where it was all going to be available as much as they could. They had, you know, different distribution issues because some movies uh, probably wouldn't allow them to do that. Um, there was definitely a concern of piracy. Like, is this going to be secure enough? Uh, all sorts of factors. Tribeca was, was limited last year. So this year uh, seeing what they've added is so it's leaps and bounds different. And a lot of festivals have happened online since Tribeca had to do it last year. And you can see the the change in atmosphere and, and uh, structure and function. So I'm much more excited to get into this one. Um, 
especially we had a really positive experience with Fantasia Fest last year, mm-hmm. which was a few months into the pandemic. So they had a little more time to prepare. They definitely felt that when we got to the movies, like it felt like they were prepared to be online. Yeah. And we saw some really great movies there. Um, so I'm excited. I, I'm looking forward to it. So me time is going to continue. This is, I had a lot of me time, but I, I think that's going to be a, cl- a kind of a theme of my summer will be what does Birkenfield need uh, to be functional? And that's, what's going to happen. So um, that's how I'm saying bloody awesome. Great job, my uh, friend. Always going to look out for yourself and yeah, you do it, man. You go and crush, you go and crush summer. I'm going to crush summer. Especially I'm, I'm trying to bulk up a little bit, sir. Uh, getting those muscle lines on my arms and such. Uh, I'm, mm-hmm. you know, been on this weight loss journey for two years i'm still i've been at a steady weight for over a year now which is great um you know i because that was always the fear when you lose weight is that you're going to immediately gain it right back and so the sustaining it during a pandemic for a year was a win uh and now i'm looking to get a little stronger a little a little more muscle and hopefully lose the last 20 pounds that i've been struggling to lose for the last year but um even if i don't i am going to still be stronger so that's a bonus that's it Um, anyone can do it book can do it that said, folks, that's the end of this episode. Uh, we will be back next week with Tribeca coverage. Um, we're not going to tell you what movies yet because we're, we're. I think what we're, we want to do is find which ones we want to bring to the episodes, and we won't know that till we see them. Um, we don't want to waste anyone's time if we, and we don't want to downplay movies. So one thing about festival films is some of these filmmakers, this is their first opportunity, and we're not trying to you know, ruin a a young filmmaker's career with their first movie. If if we didn't love it. But what we do want to do is if a movie really wowed us is we want to bring it to the attention of the public. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so that that's how we're going to kind of approach our coverage. So we can't predict what we're going to want to talk about next week, but all we can tell you is that for sure we're talking about movies at the Tribeca film festival, as well as we will probably talk briefly about in, in the Heights, because I've been waiting to watch that movie for a long time and I'm very pumped to see it, but it will not be the centerpiece of our episode next week. Next week we'll be focused on Tribeca. So check out TribecaFilm.com and uh, see if there's any movies that you want to watch. Um, and if so, tweet at us or hit us up on Instagram. Tell us what you're watching yeah. at Tribeca. Um, where can they find us on Twitter, Matt? Well, to do that, you want to go to Twitter and search at BAMP underscore podcast, B-A-M-P underscore podcast. What about Instagram? And on your phone, click that little camera icon that uh, is you know rainbow colored that says Instagram on it and search Bloody Awesome Movie Pod there. And of course, if you're still on the Facebook, check out Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast there as well. Uh, individually, you can follow me at BurkeReviews.com and at BurkeReviews on all the social media platforms. And Matt? Uh, what I watch tonight.co.uk what I, what I watch tonight get the words out across all of the socials and letterbox too and of course if you do like this podcast and if you've made it this far you must like us a little bit take <laughs> a minute rate and review us on whatever podcast catcher you are using to download our episodes uh, we will be ever ever so grateful um, and with that we encourage you to keep watching movies and stay bloody awesome blood 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 bloody Blood, 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 blood,